Hi, I'm John Schuck, and I'm going to Iraq on a mission of peace. Not just me, but I join up to 20 million others who will be making the pilgrimage to Karbala. It's the largest peaceful gathering of human beings on Earth. Mohammed Akhili has written the first book in English on this pilgrimage. It's called Arba'in, The Walk. And Arba'in is, without a shadow of a doubt, can be a universal movement. It can, you know, every single person is welcome in Arba'in to take part, bridge the gaps and, and try and establish peace. It's the world's largest annual peaceful gathering. It's full of peace. It's full of love, full of generosity, full of kindness. You find people helping each other, you find people smiling for each other, you find people being there for each other. It could certainly be a good bedrock and, and an example for how people can put aside their differences and, and focus on their similarities. It's time for Progressive Spirit. Stay with us. Progressive Spirit is produced every week. It couldn't happen without the financial support of my congregation, Southminster Presbyterian Church in Beaverton, Oregon. Southminster's website is www.southmin.org. Progressive Spirit is produced in the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon for the Pacifica Radio Network and PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, as well as podcast. Show KBOO some love, won't you? KBOO.FM and click Donate. For the Pacifica Radio Network and Public Radio Exchange, now on the Global Community Radio Network, Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, and from the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon. This is Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. I'm John Schuck. I'm on a mission of peace, not just me. I join 20 million other peaceful marchers walking to Karbala, Iraq, to the shrine of Imam Hussein. People today, when they mourn and they remember Hussein, it's as if they're like living through the moments and they actually uh, and, and it's emphasized the universal values and the principles of human rights, dignity, sacrifice, justice, care for the others, respect, the, the idea of standing for your principles and so on are relived time and time again. And I guess one of the secrets for the fact that Hussein lives on with people so much today and there's so many millions walk on this Arba'in walk across the country of Iraq is that they can really connect with him. They can really feel uh, as if whatever he stood for and whatever he said and did uh, is applicable today in their own struggles in life and what's happening around the world. Today we hear about the significance of Hussein and the Arba'in walk from the person who wrote the first book in English on this amazing phenomenon. Sheikh Muhammad Al-Heli is an Islamic scholar and speaker who has visited and presented lectures in many parts of the world. He has an MA in Islamic Studies at Middlesex University in the UK. For over 10 years, Sheikh Al-Heli studied Hausa, Islamic Seminary Education, in London and Najaf. He's a teacher for Hausa Studies for the Islamic College in London. He's currently head of the Islamic Education Department at Newer Trust in the UK, conducting Quranic commentary programs, marriage workshops, as well as youth activities. Sheikh Al-Heli has taken part in the Najaf to Karbala Arba'in walk annually since 2012 with the Spiritual Journeys Ziyara group. He just spent some time in the United States. I caught up with him while he was in New Jersey, ready to go back home to the UK. Welcome, Sheikh Mohammed Al-Heli to Progressive Spirit. Thank you so much, John. It's an honor. So you uh, did you have a productive visit here in the United States? I always do. I, I love coming to the United States, meeting different people and conducting prayers and sermons. It's always wonderful. Certainly the weather at the moment is better than the UK, so that makes it even nicer. All right. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you came to visit us. Uh, on your Facebook page, it says that your book is the first book in English on Arbane. And yet, Arbane is a big deal. I mean, 15 to 20 million people, maybe more, participate each year. Why Why has uh, no book been written in English on Arbane before now? 
It's a very good question. I think the, this was the reason why I initially thought of um, writing a book, which as much as possible, I wanted it to be uh, covering the different dimensions of this multimedia walk, as you mentioned. There are books in other languages, uh, such as Arabic and Persian, for the kind of non-Arabic, non-Persian, other people, you know, around the world. I wanted to present uh, this particular phenomenon that is not as covered very well in the global media and to provide some kind of information for people who want to find out more and maybe take part in this particular event. The thing to bear in mind is that the actual walk has been going on for hundreds of years, but due to the political situation in Iraq, the successive rulers essentially would stop people from doing it. And so people used to observe the 80 or 90 kilometer walk or even more this day and age uh, very privately and and, and, uh, discreetly. But since 2003, the walk has gained incredible momentum and and numbers have increased year after year. Perhaps that's one of the reasons that there hasn't been much work done pre-2003 and uh, until recent times, um, there's been more and more focus on it as well. And even in recent times, since 2003, it's been what, what do we have 15 years but i know i noticed i remember years, reading yeah. your book that uh even major western news organizations ha- have not reported on this as much as they could you're right i mean washington post um declared it as the world's largest annual peaceful gathering but it certainly hasn't had the focus and the attention and the coverage that it deserves considering the millions who undertake this particular journey the realization of course is that iraq has been plagued with uh, sectarianism, terrorism, lots of innocent lives being lost. And so despite all the problems that have happened, the walk has continued to take place and has gathered strength year after year. So therefore, that dimension or that angle should have at least been uh, the reason why some uh, media outlets perhaps were, would have been more interested to cover. But I suspect sometimes media is looking more for sensational reporting and and the, the Arbaeen walk itself you know that I've been I was honored to take part and, and and contribute for six or seven years is largely peaceful in the sense that there aren't any attacks on the pilgrims and that's because the locals themselves the people do an incredible job of keeping a secure area um, throughout tens of kilometers across the country and hundreds in some cases Perhaps that was one of the reasons, although there were some isolated attacks the uh, last few years, but the, but the last maybe three or four years have been very secure, very um, well looked after, considering, of course, the presence of uh, terrorists in the country um, all over. I, I guess one thing we have to say as well is that the authorities themselves um, in Iraq, the people who are managing um, many aspects associated with the walk, are too busy with the logistics and maybe haven't focused enough on getting the message across to the outside world, which hopefully is slowly getting there. And your book, Arbane the Walk, is uh, one of those efforts to do that, to gain some attention. What else do you hope to accomplish uh, with this book? The primary audience for the book uh, was actually the people who actually undertake the walk from outside Iraq, and especially those who can't speak Arabic or other languages and want guidance with the English um, text. So that was one thing, I mean, in terms of the book having chapters on how they should utilize the walk rather than just for three days walking and soaking the atmosphere. Uh, It should be a process of self-development, how they can become a better human being, how can they be inspired to help others and continue the generosity that they witness when they return back home. Um, The idea behind the book was to try and shed light historically as to why people walk, um, the the, the significance of it, as well as the ways that it can become better even in the future, some suggestions on on how we can continuously uh, improve it. That was primarily one thing. But of course, it's also 
a good source for people who are not necessarily undertaking the walk, just to have an idea of what is it about. And, and yes, there may be some passages that may not be as easily understood because they're primarily for the ones that the Muslims are taking part, but there is a good amount of the book that can be beneficial uh, for everybody. And I just wanted also to raise awareness um, for there to be something out there for people to reference and to uh, look for. There's been a lot of articles here and there being shared, um, but certainly not, not enough, as you mentioned. So it's a small step, and I hope that it's a beginning and we can have more and more coverage and, and more uh, texts and resources available for people. If you're just joining us on Progressive Spirit, my guest is Muhammad Alhili, Sheikh Muhammad Alhili. He is the author of Arbane, The Walk, and this book has been very helpful uh, to me. You know, I, I have to say, uh, embarrassedly so, that I didn't know really about Arbane or uh, what The Walk is for, Hussein, really until this year. And when I've told people about this, I haven't met anyone who, who isn't, uh, who, perhaps who isn't a Muslim, who even knows about it? So um, it is. Uh, so it's mm. going to be uh, an, an incredible uh, journey for me. So maybe back to the basics level here. Can you kind of describe what what Arbane is and who Hussein is? And I know that's a huge question. Absolutely. But uh, maybe you yeah. can give us a little. No, no, it's a an important question. It's a very critical question to understand the whole um area of of this discussion uh hussein as you mentioned is the grandson of prophet muhammad the prophet of islam and is a, a person revered across all muslims throughout centuries what is particular about hussein um because the prophet of islam muhammad had two um grandsons hassan and hussein and hussein in the year 680 ad recognized um, that there was a tyrant by the name of Yazid who had been placed by his father, uh, his name is Muawiyah, as the governor or as the caliph of the Muslims. But this individual by the name of Yazid was um, wretched. He was uh, a sort of dictator who would kill innocent people. He would rule unjustly and oppressively and um, was very much not befitting to be the ruler of the Muslims at that time. Hussein refused to give allegiance to Yazid despite being pressurized to do so. He had a few number of supporters. They were probably around 100 in number. And he was at that time living in Medina, the city uh, in modern-day Saudi Arabia, of course, where the Prophet uh, Muhammad was and where he's buried today. And Yazid, uh, his center of governance was in Damascus, modern-day Syria today. And Hussein decided to rise. He decided to awaken the conscience of the people. He decided to um, march towards Kufa, which is modern-day Iraq, because he had a lot of supporters there who asked him to come there so that they can consolidate and, and gather together so they can rise against uh, Yazid. But he did not, he wanted it to be as peaceful as possible. He didn't want to engage in war. Rather, he wanted to show a position of strength. Um, that's why his num the numbers that were with him were very few, considering the um, thousands that uh, Yazid had as far as the army is concerned. On his way towards uh, the Iraqi city of Kufa, where he had many supporters, Yazid sent an army of 30,000. They stopped him in a land called Karbala, uh, which is um, around uh, maybe 90 kilometers south of modern-day Baghdad today. When he was stopped there, he was surrounded. He had deliberately taken with him his family. Now, there have been historians who have written about the stance of Hussein and what he sought to establish People like Charles Dickens and others wrote about the epic of Karbala and what actually happened and why Hussein took his family with him. The whole story then that followed is one of the most heart-rendering stories in the history of Islam and really moves people till today. They feel a great sense of grief um, when they hear what actually happened to Hussein, who was so beloved to people at that time and even today. But despite that, he and his family and his companions were surrounded in this desert uh, in the heat. It was in October that year. They weren't allowed to have any water for a number of days. And eventually on the 10th of the Islamic month of Muharram, which is a day known as Ashura, 
his family and his companions and his army were attacked by the army of Yazid, who basically said, you either surrender to this man or we kill you. But the way that uh, they went about it was uh, horrific. Not only were everybody killed, including Hussein himself, not only were they deprived of water for a number of days, three days, but the children also were mutilated and killed, um, such as his own six-month-old baby and a number of other children. His women were then taken as captive, chained, beaten, paraded across the streets of several cities until they were taken to uh, meet uh, or, or forcefully present at Yazid, the caliph's uh, palaces in Damascus. The whole story was actually demonstrated wasn't just the fact that a group of people were so-called militarily defeated and mutilated and uh, and head, their heads were taken on spears, their bodies were crushed under the hooves of the horses, so Yazid commanded that his army... Yazid wasn't there on the plains of Karbala, but he was. Um, he, had a, he had a number of commanders who executed his decisions, and uh, he commanded that their bodies are trampled with horses and so on, and their bodies were left on the deserts without any burial or uh, without any consideration. Uh, there's a number of factors why the story of Hussein and Karbala and Ashura is so vividly remembered today by uh, over six to seven hundred million people around the world on an annual basis in the month of Muharram. And this is not only the Shias, of course, uh, Shia Muslims, but also some Sunni Muslims as well as non-Muslims commemorate uh, what happened on that day. Um, in India, the day of Ashura, an entire country is a national holiday. The Hindus also have a very strong, you know, uh, reverence and, and remembrance of Hussein and what he stood for. But why his his movement and his, or his story and the way he, he conducted himself has re- remained so vividly in the minds and the hearts of people is not only because of the tragic nature of the incident, but rather his statements, his stance against oppression and injustice, the fact that in his army he had all kinds of different people and he empowered women as well. His sister Zainab was a truly phenomenal figure who after him carried on his mission and was very vocal against the oppressive tyrannical uh, regime at that time of the caliphate. So people today, when they mourn and they remember Hussein, it's as if they're like living through the moments and they actually... Uh, and, and it emphasized the universal values and the principles of human rights, dignity, sacrifice, justice, care for the others, respect, the, the idea of standing for your principles, and so on, are relived time and time again. And I guess one of the secrets for the fact that Hussein lives on with people so much today, and there's so many millions walk on this Arba'in walk across the country of Iraq, is that they can really connect with him. They can really feel uh, as if whatever he stood for and whatever he said and did uh, is applicable today in their own struggles in life and what's happening around the world. So that is primarily one of the main reasons, and of course, in addition to the fact that he's the grandson of the Prophet, and the Prophet of Islam, Muhammad, peace be upon him, and his family, loved him immensely. And in a, a narration that is agreed upon by all Muslims, not disputed, the Prophet said, Hussein is from me, and I am from Hussein. Whomsoever loves Hussein, God loves him. The story of the love of Hussein is a kind of a, a very powerful, immense, deep and profound that touches the, the hearts and souls of people and has continued to do so. And one of the things uh, that I find that is that is said, and you write about this in your book, and I've seen it in the videos of people chanting, and you help me with the the, the pronunciation, Labek Ya Hussein. Um, I, I, I am, I am yes. here, or here I am, Hussein. Hussein, I was asking you, will anybody stand with us? And And can you tell me well, what that means? You can give me the translation, but I mean really at, at the deeper level what that means. Sure, sure. It's a, it's a, you're right. Um, hundreds of thousands, if not a million people chant it, and hopefully you'll see it when you're walking and I'm taking this journey uh, and you hear it. it. It's quite powerful. It's, it's a response to the call of Hussein 1400 years ago. Is there anyone to help us? But Hussein didn't make it for the people there. He knew that his family members, his companions were all mutilated before him, and he was alone. He stood alone facing the 
30,000 army of the tyrant Yazid. But he made it for the generations to come to keep um, what he stood for alive. So when they call and they say this, which means, here I am for you, I'm responding to your call, O Hussein, they're uh, establishing their allegiance and they're establishing their connection and willingness to apply the wonderful lessons of Karbala and what happened on that day and what Hussein stood for in their lives today and to carry on this message and to ensure that they are uh, progressive in their thinking and their understanding of uh, how they can improve their lives and the lives of others within the teachings that Hussein stood for. I'm speaking with Sheikh Mohammed Al-Hili, the author of Arbane, The Walk. And the walk itself, Arbane, is is really is is not necessarily one of celebration, but it is is one of mourning and uh, and self reflection. And as you mentioned, uh, in terms of improvement, and this has been going on for for centuries. Can you talk a little bit about the, the broad history of it? And then you mentioned earlier uh, about the most recent uh, history under Saddam Hussein. And I want to want you to talk about that as well. But but overall, it has been something that's been happening for centuries. Yes, people across centuries, and since Hussein himself was martyred on the 10th of Muharram, 61 years after the migration of the Prophet, like I said, 680 AD, there's been a lot of emphasis on visitation of his grave. And um, the visitation itself, visitations of graves of holy saints and personalities, including, of course, above all the Prophet, as well as other Prophets, is highly encouraged in Islam. Uh, and specifically within the Shia teachings of Islam. And that is because these individuals are not considered people of history, but rather important people who play a really critical role in the lives of people today and and at all times. So the connection needs to constantly be there. So when people visit those shrines and mausoleums and graves, they kind of uh, learn about these people and and they, they understand what lessons to apply in their lives as well. So throughout history, uh, people made the effort to visit uh, the shrine of Hussein. In addition to making the effort to visit, we have an Islamic emphasis as well to walk there. And the reason why the idea is to walk is to, number one, express humility. Um, When you're walking somewhere, uh, you're putting the effort, it's a struggle, but you kind of somehow presenting a sense of respect to that person or group of people, whoever, wherever you're going for. And in addition to that, it is said that you are demonstrating uh, love because you're putting in effort rather than, for example, back in the time people sit on a horse or a camel in this day and age on a car or a plane or whatever. Um, you are undertaking a walk which invariably is going to make you feel tired, you might, you know, have swollen feet, there's there's discomfort. And there's so much emphasis that, look, with discomfort is actually a good thing for the human being because with suffering always there is a chance to utilize it to make a person much better. And of course, uh, you know, walking gives the human being, the person, a chance for reflection, for pondering, um, for ways of um, thinking about, okay, what does it mean? What am I doing in my life? What, what, what is this whole journey about? And uh, it sets the scene for people. So that's why all this time for hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, despite the presence of tyrants and rulers who stopped people from doing so, uh, people walked. So for example, uh, during the time of a, a caliph, a Basid caliph by the name of Matawakkil, who was uh, ruling uh, the Muslim world approximately 150 years after Hussein was martyred. Uh, He said anyone who comes to Karbala, walking or otherwise, they'll have to pay a a tax. And people paid and came. And then he said anyone who comes, we're going to have to punish them by amputating their limbs, such as their arms and their feet. People came. And he was astonished, and then eventually he decided to demolish the shrine and the grave and run water over it. Um, but as soon as he died and his son came, he re- you know, allowed people to continue. And, and the grave was clearly identified and rebuilt again, and it's been a subject of many times you know, destroying and rebuilding throughout history. Because tyrants 
and oppressive rulers feared Hussein. They really feared the remembrance of him because people were inspired by him. And when you know you're inspired by a figure who stood against injustice, the, the tyrants don't want that to be upheld. So in a way, one of their main enemies for the tyrants was Hussein and his remembrance. And hence, um, in the time of Saddam Hussein before 2003, people used to go through their farms at night. They used to walk discreetly. His agents used to capture people, place them in prison, execute them, anything to stop people from doing it. But it never stopped. It kept going and going. Yes, it was a small fraction of what we see today, of course. But people somehow were willing to give their lives. Hussein had so much captured their imagination and the, the love of his was so powerful that they weren't worried about losing their lives. They were so infatuated and, and, and inspired by him. So they were walking at all times on different occasions. This is Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. I'm speaking with Sheikh Mohammed Al-Haley, author of Arba'in, The Walk, the first book in English on this amazing event. Last year, between 15 and 20 million people participated in The Walk. I'm going this year, inshallah. We'll hear more about it after the break. I'm John Schock. Don't go away. You're listening to the podcast version of Progressive Spirit. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podomatic, TuneIn, or whatever podcast app you use to listen and give Progressive Spirit five stars, won't you? Contact me through ProgressiveSpirit.net with your thoughts and ideas about the show, and be sure to share this podcast on your social media. Follow on Facebook and Twitter. The website, again, is ProgressiveSpirit.net. You're listening to Progressive Spirit. The website is progressivespirit.net. I'm John Schuck, and I'm speaking with Islamic scholar and speaker Sheikh Mohammed Al-Haley. We're talking about Arabayin, the walk. Now, does the growing popularity, it's hard for me to imagine uh, the numbers that are shown, 15 to 20 million. I assume that's over the course of the whole 40 days. But nonetheless, that is just wall-to-wall people all the time. Does this popularity uh, signal uh, for perhaps a rise of the Shia? And I'll have a related question to that. Is there anything lost with a walk being popular like that? In other words, is is there a chance that Arbane might be turned into more of a a festival or something like that, as opposed to uh, a a walk in the spirit of uh, honoring Hussein? Well, there's always a chance. I mean, I guess for the respected listeners, they need to also uh, be aware that actually Arba'in itself means 40 in Arabic, like you just mentioned. It is a commemoration of 40 days after Hussein was martyred. And uh, there are lots of traditions and um, uh, emphasis in Islamic teachings about the importance of the number 40. And um, you know, after someone, certainly an important person who dies, that uh, you know, the, the, for 40 days they need to be mourned or the earth cries for them for 40 days, especially if it's a holy person like Hussein. And uh, historically we are told the number, uh, the, the why people gather on the 40th day after Hussein's martyrdom is when his family eventually were made to return back to the same place of the massacre after they were paraded to different cities and Yazid let them go eventually and they were able to reach the land of Karbala and pay respects to the fallen uh, martyrs uh, and weep and cry, cry in grief. So in honor of those family members who returned back to the plains of Karbala, people walk and also grieve as well and remember the sad story. The number of people that take part on the Arba'in walk annually is a matter of discussion because obviously it's difficult to be absolutely sure. Official statistics year after year point to approximately 15 million. Last year, officially, it was announced that it was at least 13.5 million, but with a disclaimer that there is it's likely to be more because of the fact that they had cameras installed and they were just literally... Um, manually counting or in some cases estimating. The number of the Shia Muslims around the world 
is estimated to be about 400 million uh, out of the 1.6 billion uh, Muslims, uh, according to recent uh, or 2016 or around that uh, statistics. But what it does signal, uh, what the Arba'in walk does signal, is a, a powerful statement by the Shia Muslims of their unity and their collective nature together in upholding key areas of remembrance. And ultimately, the Arba'in walk and the whole commemoration is a signaling of determination to be following God and God's teachings because God loves Hussein and Hussein loved God and he died and basically was martyred for the sake of God. So it's also powerful for one's spirituality, one's connection to the teachings of the faith of Islam. But it does show a sense of unity and cohesiveness amongst the Shia population, for sure. My guest is Sheikh Mohammed Al-Hili. He's the author of Arbain the Walk. The path itself from Najaf to Karbala is marked with uh, poles, like every 50 meters or so. Mm. And on many of them are stories uh, of martyrs, perhaps all of them. Uh, Tell me about that. Can you tell me a little bit about about some of those martyrs? Yes, these are images that are placed on these poles. These poles are there to kind of indicate distance and also make it easier for people to find each other when they want to meet people. If I can perhaps explain to the listeners um, how the, the setup is so that the walk doesn't only take place from this Iraqi city of Najaf to Karbala, which is around 80 kilometers, but rather people walk for weeks from other cities such as Basra, Baghdad, Kut, Imara, other cities, they walk for weeks and weeks. And it's the men, women, children, elderly, um, Muslim, non-Muslim, Sunni, Shia, I've seen all kinds of people from all around the world different countries that you can never imagine represented represented and it's truly a universal presence there and what happens in these in this walk is that there's so many uh places uh, that are set up nearly every uh, one is next to other there are tents or buildings which provide incredible services to the people food drink uh, shelter, all for free, and not only for free, but they beg people to take it, and they essentially want you, and they see it's a matter of pride for them that you're actually eating with them. All kinds of different foods are presented, all kinds of different drinks, and so on. It's hundreds of millions of dollars are spent across, for example, two or three weeks of this walk. And now, if we talk about the Najaf to Karbala walk, the 80 kilometer, and Najaf is the Iraqi city where Imam Ali, the uh, cousin of the Prophet and one who married his beloved daughter Fatima uh, and is a great center of learning and, and uh, Najaf is a great city of learning and education. He's buried there. So people often started from Najaf to pay their respects to Imam Ali, who is the father of Hussein. They walk from there. On the poles, they see images this day and age. And these images were recently placed. And these images are ma- mostly of young people who have lost their lives in the last three or four years fighting terrorists such as ISIS and others in northern Iraq and other countries, or sorry, and other cities, and in places um, where, for example, they uh, lost their lives due to suicide bombings and things like that, other terrorist acts. So these images, when you're walking and looking up and you're constantly seeing, and I, and I remember last year, you know, seeing so many of them are so young, you know, they're in their 20s and it, it moves you because these people gave their lives to ensure that the war continues, to protect the pilgrims. If it wasn't for them, these terrorists would have had intended to invade and to destroy Hussein's shrine and to come to Karbala and stop all this from happening. And it was really under threat in 2014. So... Uh, due to the wisdom of um, Iraq, Grand Ayatollah Sistani, who's the spiritual leader of the Shias in Iraq and many other countries, he called out for people to go and fight on the battlefields to defend uh, the country, defend people, defend humanity from such individuals such as ISIS. And uh, therefore, these young people gave their lives and their images are found there for people to reflect and to remember them and to be thankful to them, really, for all their sacrifice. Because those really who have resisted Daesh or ISIS, 
have been Shia Muslims, uh, others too, perhaps, but I, I don't think many people in the West r- really know that. Uh, the Shias who really suffer uh, the most in many respects from these other terrorist groups. Yes, you're right. They've been kind of the one of the primary targets for terrorist groups such as Al-Qaeda, Daesh, Nusra. All these terrorist organizations consider Shias as heretics. They often declare that it's their duty to kill as many Shias as possible. So in Iraq and in other countries, the Shias are primarily first targets for these particular terrorists. Um, And Iraq has seen an incredible number of uh, suicide bombings. I myself witnessed it in 2004 when I was in Karbala during the day of Ashura. Uh, We're talking about those hundreds of thousands of people in that city. And there were nine bombs. I remember going to the site of the bombings and I sadly was able to see human parts, blood everywhere. And despite the bombings to a relentless and the suicide killings that were happening in Iraq across between, for example, 2004 till 2012, 13, it's, it's gotten less, much less now, but it continued 2015-16. It didn't deter people from coming and visiting Karbala and taking part in the walk and so on and so forth. And they saw it as a actually a major statement against the terrorists that you cannot stop us from the remembrance of Hussein and what he stood for. Um, so without a doubt, um, Shias sadly have been the main targets of these individuals. There have been... Uh if you don't mind a, a political question, a great deal of saber rattling against Iran uh, by Israel and the United States. And I'm wondering, uh, as, as I've witnessed Arbain and, and heard, heard you talk and heard others, can Arbain be a, a vehicle for truth and justice and ultimately a just peace, do you think? And, and how might that happen? I think we can always look for opportunities for reconciliation and world peace. Um, there is so much that we can do together as human beings, respecting each other, understanding each other's traditions and practices, and ultimately putting an end to all kinds of injustice and oppression. Um, And Arba'in is, without a shadow of a doubt, can be a universal movement. It can, you know, every single person is welcome in Arba'in to take part. There is no uh, discrimination against people. Um, you know, people love it when they see people from all around the world taking part. And in fact, they become like special VIP guests because they think they, they're really honored to serve such individuals, as well as others who've come from different parts of the country, as well as the globe. It could certainly be uh, a means to try and bridge the gaps and, and try and establish peace. It's the world's largest annual peaceful gathering. It's full of peace. It's full of love, full of generosity, full of kindness. You find people helping each other. You find people smiling for each other. You find people being there for each other. Uh, It could certainly be a good bedrock and and an example for how people can put aside their differences and, and focus on their similarities. You mentioned the tents all along. The word is makib. Is that right? Can That's you, right. In fact, many people sacrifice quite a bit for that financially throughout the year before uh, the pilgrimage and in, in saving money to to provide that. And so there's a there's a sense in which the pilgrim ought to be conscious of that. Is that right? Who provide these services at a great financial hardship to themselves? You're absolutely right, and it's incredible how these people manage to constantly provide food every day for several weeks, and not just basic food but really well prepared food so they wake up really early in the morning so we're talking 3 a.m i've seen them i have my own eyes many many different people thousands of them who are serving the visitors of imam Hussein, and they prepare breakfast then as soon as breakfast is over they prepare lunch and then they prepare dinner and it's ongoing and it's costing a lot and when i spoke to some of them and i said how can you afford it they said well first of all we save up throughout the year, we save up. Um, and, and, and they will cut down on many things just to save up so that they can provide all this to people. And secondly, they get donations and they get people, uh, you know, contributing because it's in the name of Hussein. And um, people have such a bond with that holy individual that they will give. And they consider it a very noble act to, to do 
So contributions come about here and there, but by and large, people are self-funding. It's not government funding at all. That's one incredible thing about this whole Arba'in walk. It's done by the people for the people. Hopefully when you go and see, you'll see how some of these people, quite a big number of them actually themselves are not very wealthy at all, the ones who are serving in these mokibs. Now, mokib means a place, a collection of people that sit together, and it's like characterized by either a tent or a Husseiniya. Husseiniya means a place where Hussein is remembered, so it's like a building where God is worshipped. There are eulogies and other forms of mourning for Hussein, for example, that takes place. And these people, yes, some of them are, you know, villagers, some of them are not at all businessmen or whatever, but they do whatever it takes to provide a service. And it's truly wonderful, really inspirational. So when Pilgrim approaches Karbala on this 40th day, mm-hmm. Arbain itself, what, what can she or he expect? Of course, Karbala can only take one and a half to two and a half million people at one time. So maybe some of your respected listeners are thinking, okay, how is this possible? 15 million, uh, 20 million in some years. How can the city ever take that many? And the, the, the answer to this is that the religious authorities and people are encouraged to start the walk much early uh, than the actual Arba'in day and to go there, pay their respects to Imam Hussein shrine and then go back home. So it's collectively uh, 15 to 20 million across maybe three weeks or two and a half weeks or so on. That's how the numbers are figured out. Now, so you will get some people who will reach Karbala a few days before Arba'in. You'll get some who will reach a week or two before Arba'in day. Uh, and then you get some people who might reach a day before or on the day itself, although the majority will have reached the day before and they want to be inside Karbala on the actual Arba'in day, which is in the Islamic Hijri calendar, the 20th of the month of Safar, which is a month after Muharram. So Muharram is the first month in the Islamic calendar. 10th of Muharram is Ashura. The 20th of Safar is Arba'in, which is 40 days after Ashura. Uh, and this year it is actually October 31st. Is that right? In on the That's correct. Yes, okay. October yep. 31st. Yes. So uh, incidentally, it could be 30th or 31st. It depends on the moon sighting because it um, hasn't yet been decided. The month hasn't yet started. So when they get to Karbala, the idea is to go to the shrine of Imam Hussein and to recite what is known as Ziyara. Now, Ziyara means visitation. It's um, a statement. It's like a supplication or invocation, which uh, is full of really beautiful words to, to kind of pay respects to the person you've come to visit and pay your allegiance and to establish that these, this person you've come to uh, honor is beloved to God and is beloved to the prophet of God. And this paying respects and this ziyara, so to speak, is something everybody does when they get to Karbala. And there's, there's another shrine in Karbala right next to Imam Hussein's shrine, which is of his faithful brother by the name of Abbas. Now, Abbas occupies a very central position in the hearts of people because he was the most beloved human uh, as a male is concerned to Hussein on the 10th of Muharram, on the day of Ashura. And he also sacrificed his life. He has a wonderful story where he was asked to go and get some water uh, and he defeated the 4,000, or he pushed away the 4,000 soldiers who were blocking Hussein's camp from getting to the water, the river of Forat. And he got to the water. He was thirsty. He hadn't had water for three days. He held the water in his hands, but he never drank a single drop of it. And he filled the water container, and he himself started to talk himself, and people around heard him and recorded it in history, where he said, Oh, soul, how can I drink water when Hussein is thirsty and the children have asked me water, so I will never drink a single drop until they drink. And then he filled the water container and went back to try and get the water back to Hussein and the children were really suffering with uh, thirst, but unfortunately, uh, on the way, despite his heroic attempts and fighting, people hid behind palm trees, his right and left arms were severed, his eyes caught an arrow, and he was uh, sadly martyred and fell there. Um, So many of the people, in fact, all of them will go and visit Abbas as well. Uh, Abbas is the son of Ali. 
he's the brother of Hussein, uh, and uh, they pay respects to him as well. And then you find them across the day or, you know, just worshipping God, reading Quran, praying, helping the needy, doing whatever they can. And it's an amazing atmosphere there in Karbala and on the journey as well. Uh, it's it's just uh, people absorbing the atmosphere and then they make their way back home, maybe in the afternoon or the day later uh, towards their cities. And I know we're just getting close on time, but I, I wanted to ask you that many people see this this visitation, this ziyara, as, as an opportunity to engage in doing good as well. I, and I noticed, just reading your, your Facebook mm-hmm. site, of the, different, of the different people who are doing different things, running, for example, to raise attention to uh, important causes of social justice. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, my own personal opinion is one of the reasons why it's eternal and it's, you know, growing year after year is exactly this. People are suffering around the world um, and, and they see in Hussein a lot of light and hope. They see in Hussein the real pinnacle and the essence of standing up against oppression, uh, how to demand for social justice. One of the key things about their buying walk is to think about the others and to serve this servitude, generosity, kindness to others. I personally benefited a lot when I see people doing and the wonderful stories that I saw, I mentioned some of them in my book, but there's so many more. And I asked actually people on social media to submit their stories. And I had hundreds of stories I struggled to, uh, you know, choose because every person has their own unique story that they've been inspired and touched uh, when they went to the Arbaim walk. Certainly, this idea of helping others and making the lives of others better is inspirational because when you see people doing all that they can to make those few days comfortable for you, you come back home and you say, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this um, carried on? And uh, I have to be a good, uh, respectful citizen, an honorable human being, dealing with everyone around me with honor, dignity, and respect, and doing whatever I can to help others, especially the needy, especially those who are going through hard times, especially those who don't have a voice, you know, I'll be the voice for the voiceless. And so it is very uh, motivating in, in that aspect as well. So there is a way for many people, whether they are from Iraq or from Iowa or from the UK, or whether they're Muslim or Christian or something other, there's a way for all of us to be able to say Labek Ya Hussein. Absolutely. And, you know, it's wonderful to see uh, non-Muslims taking part, and it's something which is delightful and um, really um, uh, good to see that. And, it, you know, the Arbaheen walk is certainly not for any denomination or group of people or anyone following any faith or non-faith. It's, it's open for everyone. And it's, it's there to showcase, you know, universal concepts and values. It brings people together as human beings. It increases that love and respect between human beings as humans that we desperately so much need. In a time where I believe, sadly, we're gripped with hate, sometimes bigotry, sometimes, you know, uh, discrimination and racism, things like Arba'in really uh, sets all these things aside and says, let's focus on the us as human beings. Uh, let, let's focus on our shared values together uh, of love, of cooperation, of respect and dignity. Uh, in the name of Hussein, who stood for all of these, I believe that Arba'in is, is a glorious opportunity and hopefully more and more people are exposed to it, more and more people are aware of it, more and more people take part in it and write about their experiences and share it and become ambassadors for it and, you know, invite others to take part and so on uh, so that, you know, we can offset all the negativity that we can see at least with some positivity, a lot of hope and a lot of love. I've been speaking with Sheikh Mohammed Al-Hili, uh, the author of Arba'in, The Walk. I've ordered uh, several copies for members of my congregation so they can know what, what's going on when I go on, on, on this pilgrimage. As I said, it was a marvelous gift for me to be able to go uh, by the Husseiniya Society of Seattle. And uh, thank you for bringing this, uh, this walk to an, in an English book and for your work talking about the importance of, of Hussein. 
Thank you so much, John. And I um, wish you a very uh, spiritually uplifting and wonderful journey in uh, the Arba'in walk. I'm sure you'll have a, a great time. And I thank you for this opportunity. And I pray for uh, pray, pray to God for uh, safety and security of all and well-being. And, uh, and I invite through this platform anybody who uh, wants to experience the walk, anybody who wants to see how it is, I'll be more than delighted to help arrange uh, facilities um, and uh, help support in any way possibly we can to make the journey easier and to uh, experience it. So we want as many people as possible to take part, uh, especially from America, especially from the Western world, from Europe, and, and, and to experience it. And, and so just one final thing, then, can you give me uh, a way that people can contact you, a website or a social media site? Yes, yeah, so if if, uh, if anybody wants to contact me, uh, I'm available on uh, email. I'm happy to share my email, which is S-H-E-I-K-H, which sounds like shake, at net. So they're very welcome to contact me there, or they can um, go to my Facebook page, uh, which is Muhammad Al-Hilli. Um, they can uh, message me there, or I'm on Twitter as well. Sheikh Muhammad Al-Hilli, thank you so much for your book and for your time today. You're very welcome, John. God bless You've been listening to Progressive Spirit, ProgressiveSpirit.net. Progressive Spirit is heard every week. On Progressive Spirit, you hear interviews with cutting-edge scholars, authors, and activists who have something to say about social justice, human flourishing, and things that matter. Progressive Spirit is formatted for radio and is distributed every week through the Pacifica Radio Network, PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and the Global Community Radio Network. Progressive Spirit is perfect for public radio, community radio, and college radio stations. You can download Progressive Spirit for free on your favorite podcast app. The website is progressivespirit.net. Follow also on Facebook and Twitter. Progressive Spirit is produced in the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon. I'm John Shuck. Be well.